Welcome to the 51st episode of the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Gadiel Cartagena, speaking with co-host Tyler Yarnell. Today we have our weekly buy-sell episode with five buys and five sells each, including a group of six, yes, six players that we are currently targeting in trades right now. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. It is week six. It is buy-sell time. Once again, I say this every time, favorite episode of the week. Tyler is pointing at his Bam Adebayo poster in his room right now. Um, yes, we are both Heat fans, by the way. We are very upset that the Heat lost to the Lakers. Much deserved title for them. But this is a fantasy football podcast, and you guys don't care what we have to say about anything else. So we will not go anywhere else today. We're going to talk fantasy. And I want to talk, I don't know, I almost want to start off with sells here because I feel like we have a lot more buys um, Tyler, I'll let you decide uh, the order that we'll go in. Should we go sell first or buy first? Let's go sell first. I think that we have more headliner names in, in the sell list. So let, yeah. let's, start, let's start there. Starting with sells, um, I want to say this is the sell of the week. We always put one sell as the sell of the week on Instagram. And seemingly every time we do that, we get fucked over. But I think this guy, it's not so much about this next week. It's about the entire year. I just don't see that what he's doing is sustainable in any way. And he's he's putting up good numbers in fantasy, but it's not, not sustainable. And he's lacking the other star wide receiver in that offense right now. So at least from my perspective, Tyler, you can uh, differ because we have five cells here. So from my perspective, I think Mike Evans is a sell of the week. Right now he's on pace for the worst year of his career, yardage-wise. It's he's he's on pace for I believe it is like 846 yards. Um, Crazy. Yeah, for the first time in his career, he's on pace for under a thousand yards. So he always has these boom games. But my question is, how are those booms games going to come when you don't have that quarterback that's really pushing the ball down the field and getting Mike Evans open like 40, 50 yards down the field? Not that Brady can't throw it deep, but he's not throwing it as far as Jameis Winston was. And a lot of those boom games for Mike Evans, you'd see one to two, maybe even three catches that were caught like 50, 60 yards down the field. And then Evans would just slip a tackle and go for 16 more yards and a touchdown. So that's not happening. Evans is being tar- – he's, like you said last week, he's the goal line running back. But right now he's on pace for 70 catches and 19 touchdowns, which means he's scoring – or also 112 targets on those 70 catches – so right now he's on pace for a touchdown every 5.9 targets. I don't have the exact averages of how exactly that should work, but that's clearly not good. I mean, it's good right now, but it's not sustainable. It's not something you want to rely on. So I think the usage that you're getting from him without Chris Godwin being there is not like, I, I would not feel good about it in the games that Chris Godwin played and Mike Evans was healthy. I'm pretty sure he has three catches, four yards and three touchdowns. Like, it's not pretty. So, yeah, I think Mike Evans right now, the touchdowns have been there every single week, and he has a multiple touchdown game. He has six touchdowns through five games. It's just not It's not going to keep happening. I'm completely comfortable selling him high right now. We talked about it before, but it's just every time he scores a touchdown, I'm going to say this has to come back at some point. And not that he can't score 19 touchdowns, but it's not something that I want to rely on given that Chris Godwin has literally not even played really this year. And in the games Godwin is going to play, he's going to be the number one. He fits Brady better. He fits the Arians offense better. And it just makes more sense for them to, for him to be the target hog and for Evans to just be more of a situational guy than Godwin will be like an every down target for him. Yeah, I agree with this very heavily just because, you know, with Mike Evans, the issue that we've seen the past couple of years is that he's kind of disappeared in some games. Like even with James Winston at quarterback, like he'll disappear in games. I think we saw that uh, most notably for both of us was the week two game of last season where they played the Carolina Panthers. And I think he basically did nothing on James Bradbury except a 50 yard catch. But um, we're seeing some of those games this year. The only difference is that one, he is not getting those deep targets and two, like the the past five weeks, like I said before, he's really been the goal line back for this team. Like he'll, whenever they're on the one yard line, like it's just, if they get one-on-one coverage with Mike Evans, like they're going to throw it to him. And I can see that continuing. The issue is that, you know, this, this inconsistent uh, 
volume that he's been getting without the touchdowns has been coming with, like you said, without Chris Godwin. So he's disappearing in games without likely the number one target in this offense, which is kind of scary to see. So, yeah, I think that selling him as a high wide receiver two, low wide receiver one is the move right now, just because, you know, anything can happen. Like, I don't want to rely on this, this touchdown volume that he's been getting. I, I could very well see the second half of the season, just Mike Evans getting like double coverage in the red zone, like a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. It, it, that's what it should be at this point. Cause if you're, if you're leaving a one-on-one, it's just, they can it, open up the offense a lot with Evans success so far, but his average depth of target this year, and keep in mind, we've been saying he's a downfield target this year. His average depth of target is at nine yards. Last year was at 15 flat. And the year before, it was at 15.6. So a guy who doesn't get that many targets to begin with, now he's seeing less valuable targets outside of the red zone targets. Ooh, that is – that could get – he's a type of player where it could get ugly really quick. And for, like, three games, you could see Evans go for, like, a combined, like, 130 yards and zero touchdowns and losing you weeks. He's, he's at the point where right now he's been – at least keeping you alive or winning you weeks, Evans' usage to this point could be losing you weeks. So that's why I think Mike Evans is one of the sells of the week. Another player who I believe is in contention to be the sell of the week is none other than our preseason darling, Kenyon Drake. So this is one thing we were completely wrong about. Um, and I think at this point, you you could see Kenyon Drake revert back to the role that he had when he was in Miami. Like a 8-12 to 12 touch guy who's in more of like a change of pace back role as opposed to the 18 to 20 touch guy workhorse that he is right now. And the problem with that is he's not catching passes in Arizona. So even if he does revert back to that role, or even if he keeps his role, you're hoping for touchdowns because he's not getting targets through five games. He has six targets. He, that is not good for the type of running back that he is. He's been highly inefficient on the ground. I don't have his exact yards per carry up right now. And it's not only on him, but there are, uh, I was looking at a evaded tackle metric and Frank Gore and Malcolm Brown are evading more tackles per carry than Kenyon Drake. So that's definitely not a kind of like a class you want to be in. It's not, not looking good for him right now. And at this point, the way Chase Edmonds has been playing, I think you have every reason to let him get more volume. Like right now he's averaging, let's see, 3.7 yards a carry and 62 yards a game. That's it. That's all he's getting. You've seen maybe two touchdowns so far. He scored a touchdown this week. The numbers weren't horrible because he was playing against the Jets. Capitalize off this week. Sell him as a low RB2. Totally fine with doing that. Sell him for a David Montgomery and just live with it. Maybe try to trade for Chase Edmonds. Like at this point, there's a realistic argument that Chase Edmonds should be, like we said, it should be 65 35. There's a realistic argument that it should be 50 50 or more in Chase Edmonds' favor at this point. He's more explosive. He's making more plays in the passing game. And he just fits the offense better right now. Kenyon Drake, I don't know if it's his foot injury from before the season. Whatever reason it may be, he does not look explosive. And Edmonds does. And this is a team that is in contention to make the playoffs this year. They have no reason to stick with a guy on a transition tag just for the hell of it. Chase Edmonds is there. He's going to be there next year. And maybe they draft a running back, but maybe they trust Chase Edmonds. There's, there's, a, there's a chance in which... Kenyon Drake's value could fall off way more than it already has right now. It, this isn't really a sell high. This is just like, you're pretty much selling low based on what you drafted him as. But at some point you have to learn to cut your losses and just take the L take the L with Kenyon Drake. And I'm not dealing with that headache in the backfield. It's chase Edmonds looks better. And I think everybody, everybody sees it. It's only a matter of time before the workload starts to shift in his favor. I think we're going to move towards that 50, 50 workload just because like you said, it's it's just bet more beneficial for the Cardinals. Like straight up, if you have two guys that are playing similar in, in if they're playing similarly as far as what they produce on the field, you'd rather have the more fresh guy on the field. So yeah, I could definitely see this be, becoming ugly, just like becoming a straight 50-50 workload share. And it, to be honest, that doesn't ben- really benefit either either side. Like I don't know. Maybe Chase Edmonds gains flex value along with Kenyon Drake, but like 
Yeah, this is tough. Like Kenyon Drake, he's coming off a game where he he just scored a touchdown. I think that this is the perfect opportunity to sell high. I think that he'll continue to have games like this uh, throughout the season, but you know it's going to be inconsistent. And by the time that you try to sell him later on the season, it's already going to be too late. Like people are already going to know the deal with Kenyon Drake, like being this guy that kind of is is just inconsistent, doesn't get the workload on a week-to-week basis. So I think this is the perfect time to sell him. Ooh. Maybe some, someone wants to take a shot on him. And, um, yeah, sell Kenyon Drake. Yeah, right now – so there, you're in this dilemma if you do own Kenyon Drake because this week, looking at their schedule, he does play against Dallas, which if you've watched any Dallas Cowboys games this year, Kenyon Drake, for all intents and purposes, should have a great game on Monday night on prime time where everybody is watching. So if you want to play it safe, you can go ahead and sell him now as a low RB2 to sell off the fact that he got vol- he's been getting good volume and whatever, or you can risk it, try to see if he can keep the same volume and go for a high production, quote unquote, vintage Kenyon Drake game against Dallas, where then he could potentially get you mid RB2 numbers. I don't think you're going to get high RB2 return from him, but you can maybe get a little bit more value out of him. I would personally play it safe and not try to deal with the Kenyon Drake headache and maybe try to get Chase Edmonds because it very well could be that on Monday night, Chase Edmonds gets the bulk of the workload and Kenyon Drake's value just goes down the dumps. Like it could just, it could get ugly really quick for him as well. But you are with, you do have that predicament because he does play Dallas this week. I recommend selling him right now, but I would not fault you if you waited one week through the good matchup trying to see if you can get more value back from him, but that's whatever. Um, another player that we did miss on going into the off season or going into the actual season is DJ Moore. And this isn't to say that you should be selling him. This is more of like a, see what people are offering for him in your league. Like let people know he's available because DJ Moore, obviously the name value says this is one of the best young and up and coming receivers in the NFL. And that's what we see on film. Um, but he doesn't have that connection with Teddy Bridgewater. And Robbie Anderson does. So barring a drastic change, I would try to see what I can get off of name value and off of a big game against Atlanta for DJ Moore because Robbie Anderson's the number one. And DJ Moore, as, as much as we want to will him into being great, which I think it will happen at some point, he's a very talented and explosive receiver, but it's not happening yet. With Teddy Bridgewater, they don't have that connection. He's not looking for him deep. He's taking the safe throw. And it's working. Like we said during the waiver podcast, it is working. What they're doing is working. So, yeah, uh, DJ Moore is just someone that I wouldn't say it's time to take the L yet because there is a ch- I still believe he's better than Robbie Anderson, so I'm not selling him for nothing. But if you can sell him, like this is one where I would say this is like you're only selling him if you're selling high because if not, you're holding. Like Because you drafted him in the third, maybe fourth round, and there's still potential for him to – Maybe not return value on that, but get back to get, like, get you face value on it. Like he'll just perform like a third or fourth round pick, not like a second or first round pick like we had hoped. But yeah, I'm, I'm not selling him for nothing. But if you can try to sell him for a better receiver, I'm not really sure what names uh, come off the top of the head. Tyler, if you have any names, go ahead and spew. But yeah, I'm, I'm selling him high if I can. If not, I'm holding and just hoping that the usage goes back in DJ Moore's favor uh, as the season goes along and he gets that connection with Teddy Bridgewater. DJ Moore or Mike Evans? DJ Moore, in my opinion. I think I think that he, he actually still has upside to be get into that high wide receiver two range because, yeah. like you said, like he's getting open. He's making like if you just watch the tape by itself, like if you just watch like single out everything that goes on the field and watch DJ Moore. Like he still looks like a star right now. Mm -hmm. He still looks like the most talented player on the team. I think that you said it perfectly. Like, unless you can get some serious value for DJ Moore, like I would just hold on, hang tight with him and just, you know, hopefully I think that what's working now is going to continue for now, but you know, defenses are going to, are going to see this and then they're going to adjust. I think that DJ Moore still has the potential to have a, a great second half of the season and possibly emerge um, as a, maybe not the top target in this offense, but like there's enough volume to go around in this offense, even with Christian McCaffrey coming back. Yeah. Like Mike Davis has been getting eight to 10 targets a game. 
I like it's it's As crazy. Someone who started DJ Moore like blindly each of the last few weeks, it is quite painful uh, because he is open and they are just it's 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 not. I don't even think it's the scheme so much. Obviously, you want to see DJ Moore run those yak routes where he can create after the catch, like he did against the Falcons, and he's just he's so explosive in the open field. It reminds me of Steve Smith, uh, like a slightly less angry version of Steve Smith, but. It's just it's not there. They're throwing it to Bridgewater or they're throwing it to Robbie Anderson and Mike Davis on the first read and it's working. So the, the fact that it's working is what pisses me off the most. Good for the Carolina Panthers, but like everything with DJ Moore has just gone down the drain. But we'll stop talking about him really quick. Uh getting over to another guy who had a really, really big game. So we were one week too early. We said buy the Texans offense and Brandon Cooks was our main buy, and he came out and he was kind of a dud. And then this past week lit it up i believe he went for 130 yards maybe more correct me if i'm wrong i think it's 160 and did he go for 160 i'm pretty sure i think it was like eight catches for 162 yards and a touchdown i know he had like 30 bombs so whatever he did was very impressive and i think part of this is from what i saw is due to the fact that the jaguars started to slightly rotate coverage over to will fuller so obviously they have two good receivers on the outside between cooks and fuller i do believe cooks is a better player and they're rotating coverage. So you're leaving Cooks on one-on-one uh, with the ability to go deep, go short, go intermediate with a quarterback that's mobile against a defense that's not very good. So it was a lot of perfect storm for Brandon Cooks to go off. This is someone that you could also try to sell off of name value because uh, there is someone that might be like myself who has loved to own Brandon Cooks every year he's been in the league. They believe in his talent the way that I do, but I personally would not be overpaying to get him. He was a good buy low a few weeks ago. But coming off of a 30-point game, uh, you're not really sure if you want to try to hold him through that. He could be fantasy relevant. So this is another one. We're not saying sell him for nothing. But if you can try to get maybe – I don't know. You can't get Jamison Crowder for him right now because Jamison Crowder has been going off. But if you can try to get someone that you believe is like better value than uh, Brandon Cooks or more consistent, maybe like Hollywood Brown, considering the fact he hasn't had many great games, he's also been inconsistent. I would look at trying to get him – um amongst other players i mean there's just a few guys that i would prefer over him but none of them are really coming off the top of my head right now but I, it's the same thing with dj Moore. i would just i would not sell him for nothing but if you can if you can sell him high i would go ahead and try to make that trade i think this is more of a standpoint with brandon cooks just because you know he hasn't really had many games uh that demonstrate fantasy value besides this one well, he had, he had five for 95 against Marlon Humphrey. Yeah. I don't know. He's just de- demonstrated a lot of inconsistency. Like, he literally – I think he put up a zero bomb. Zero bomb. Week. On uh, 94% of snaps. That's against the Vikings, too. I well, think. the thing is, the thing is, the Vikings supposedly rotated coverage to Cooks because they thought he was their wide receiver one. And then we see the Jaguars flip-flop that and rotate coverage to Fuller. So if teams start to play them, honestly, Fuller and Cooks can both eat. I mean, even Randall Cobb got like six targets for six catches. Um, this passing attack could become very fantasy friendly, but. That's why that's why I'd rather hang on to Brandon Cooks at this point, because it's very unlikely that you get the value that you're really looking for, for a yeah. guy that's been like this inconsistent throughout the season. Bill O'Brien's out of the picture right now. I think that this offense can only go up. He still has Deshaun Watson as Deshaun Watson as his quarterback. I think that. You're better off just holding on to, to uh, Brandon Cooks at this point. I'd agree with that. Just if I, My thing is I would say if you can sell him out, you can. But if not, hold on to him. And the last guy that we're going to talk about, if he is even owned in your league, Emmanuel Sanders, uh, he balled out last night, went for like 10, maybe 12 catches and 120 yards. He was Drew Brees. He looked like Michael Thomas last night for Drew Brees. But Michael Thomas is coming back and – Emmanuel Sanders is going to fade into oblivion at some point. Um, maybe he can be productive, but he's not going to be someone that I'm going to want to rely on. The way Drew Brees looks, uh, I think Jared Cook and Emmanuel Sanders are going to be very, very frustrating to own once Michael Thomas is back because that is going to be a highly concentrated pass attack between Thomas and Kamara, and then everybody else is fighting for scraps. So that's just uh, one last player that if you can try to sell him for like a reasonable flex piece or maybe even like move up in your waiver priority, I would go ahead and do so, honestly. And yeah, that's just how I feel about that. Um, Some players to buy here. These ones I'm really excited about. I'll start it off with Debo Samuel. And this one's pretty easy, pretty cut and dry. 
he had a dud coming off of injury against the Eagles. He was playing limited snaps, three targets, uh, 30 yards on like 30% of snaps. Nothing noteworthy there. So you wanted to see what his usage looked like going against the Miami Dolphins. And we were at, we said he was a sit, but we were impressed at the fact that he saw 89% of snaps and eight targets against the Dolphins. Yes, it was a negative game script, but this tells you Debo Samuel is healthy. He can play a full game. And when he plays a full game, he's going to be the number two in this receiving attack. Uh, ahead of Brandon Ayuk and behind George Kittle, maybe even ahead of George Kittle some games because teams are going to sell out to stop George Kittle. So Debo Samuel, he's not going to be like a high wide receiver two or anything, but he has really boom bust flex option appeal that I would like to get on my team, especially considering you can get him for cheap. Like I would love to have Debo Samuel right now. Some leagues he's on waivers. Some leagues he might be dropped because he had a bad week. Um, Like I said, I think this Niners offense is eventually going to turn it on. They need Jimmy G to play like he's not Blake Bortles. But I think that'll happen at some point. If not, then CJ Beathard or Nick Mullins will come in. Someone will be throwing Debo Samuel the ball in a Kyle Shanahan offense where receivers typically are open and make big chunk plays. So with all that said, I'm buying Debo Samuel. I think his value is as low as it will be the entire year coming off of two underwhelming games. And then we're going to start to see last year's Debo Samuel start to turn it on as we move along. Yeah, I like this pick here because, like you said, the the 49ers offense really underwhelmed yesterday or the day before with Jimmy Garoppolo coming back from injury. I don't think that he was really 100%. And then they went with C.J. Beathard in the second half. So, I don't know, it was difficult for the offense to get going overall. I think that we'll see a more healthy Jimmy Garoppolo moving forward. This offensive line is still fantastic. There's, they still have Kyle Shanahan as their head coach and offensive coordinator. So this is this offense – is there's better days ahead for this offense with weapons such as George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and uh, Mostert, and uh, McKinnon out of the backfield. So I think that we're still looking up with this offense. I think that this is the perfect time to, to buy Debo Samuel because – he must be going for chump change right now after two really disappointing games for owners. So, um, yeah, I, I love this pick here at, with Debo Samuel. Yeah, and I think one of the arguments that might go against buying Debo is because they play the Rams and then the Patriots, which obviously you get Jalen Ramsey and Stephon Gilmore. But it's completely possible that they do not put Gilmore or Ramsey on Debo Samuel because of the way the Niners like to use their receivers. Um, there's really no point in shadowing them because these guys are running gadget player routes pretty much the entire game. They're running swing routes, jet sweeps, and then they'll sometimes have like your deep pass and your comeback route and whatever. But it's not like it's like the Rams where shadow corners don't really scare you in these games. Uh, that's just what the Niners do. They do a good job of scheming their guys open. Um, another player that we're going to talk about here is quarterback Cam Newton. So this one goes without saying the Patriots had their bye. Cam has COVID-19. He will be back. He is a top 10 quarterback at the very minimum with Dak Prescott being injured. You could argue he's one of the top five high upside quarterbacks any given week. He's one of those guys that can give you 30 points any given week, regardless of the matchup. It can just happen. So with his rushing upside, his rushing floor, and the fact that this passing game is only going to get better as the season goes along, as James White becomes acclimated, as Julian Edelman maybe gets healthy, Nikhil Harry continues to grow, Demir Bird, maybe they trade for somebody, who knows. Um, I think now's a good time to try and buy Cam Newton. If Dak Prescott was injured, Cam Newton is a player that I would be looking to buy uh, to fill that void. I personally will be doing that myself. And I just think you should try to get Cam Newton. He's He's been an MVP caliber talent before, and he's been a fantasy MVP multiple times. So you're looking at a guy who you can probably still get really, really cheap because if someone owns him, they probably own two quarterbacks. Just go ahead and send over like a slightly flex worthy player and that probably should be enough uh, unless you're trading him to like one of the best teams in your league. But yeah, I'm buying Cam Newton from here on out. I mean, no bye week and for at least three months, he can't get COVID according to like science. So he's, he's full go for the rest of the fantasy season. Yeah. I love this, this uh, pick here with Cam Newton, even though I wasn't very high on him to begin the season at all. Whatsoever. You were low on him. I was low You disrespected on. Cam Newton. You slept. You're still sleeping. Wake up. Good morning. Cam Newton's here. It's Cam uh, Newton time. I think I think from the fantasy perspective, I am a, I'm woke with 
Cam Newton. I think that, um, you know, he's getting more than enough rushing volume to make himself fantasy relevant as a QB one in fantasy football. And he's demonstrated enough as a passer to lead me to believe that he is a QB one and behind this offensive line behind Josh McDaniels as his offensive coordinator, he's scheming him into opportunities to succeed. He's basically using him as a goal line back right now. I think he has six touchdowns through the first four games. They're, they're uh-huh. two, two with him. So they, he has six touchdowns, rushing touchdowns through four games. Um, you know, that's crazy volume. I don't think that'll continue, but there's no, there's nothing like there's nothing holding cam back from hitting 10 to 12 touchdowns on the ground. And those extra two points uh, as a rusher really add up, especially when you're as, when you're getting as much volume as cam Newton. So yeah, I like, I like cam Newton as a, a buy low right now. He hasn't played for two weeks. Some people may have forgotten how uh, dominant he had been to begin the season. I think that this is the perfect time to get cam Newton on your team. Yeah, he was like, he's just getting used to this McDaniel system. And th- this is fun because Cam Newton's never been coached, I think, to this capacity before. And I think the structure is really benefiting him. Um, really quick between, so obviously Cam Newton and Mike Evans are both due for regression in the touchdown category. Who do you think is more likely to score 15 touchdowns this year? Uh, Cam Newton rushing or Mike Evans receiving? Ooh. Because 15 is a high number. It's hard for like any player to score 15. So nine more for, for both. Cam they both have six. Okay. I'm gonna go with Mike here. Mike Evans. I'm gonna go with Mike. I don't know. I it's think really that, close. It's really really close. It They're is. both like the goal line guy. But my thing is, I think I might take Cam just because, like his like, like the Patriots won. Their offensive line is huge and powerful. And, like, that quarterback power on the goal line is just so hard to stop. Even if you, like, game plan to stop it, it's just so hard to stop because it's there's so much brute force being involved. It's literally just a battering ram on, like, the two-yard line. With Mike Evans, there's other options. Like, they don't have to force it to him. There's other ways for them to score. With the Patriots, I honestly don't know. Like, Cam Newton is easily their best play in the red zone every single time. But it'll be really close. I wouldn't be surprised if both of them went over 15. Uh Although that is kind of crazy. If I told you before the season that Cam Newton is going to rush for 15 and Mike Evans is going to catch for 15, I would tell you Mike Evans more likely, but we could see both. Who knows? I mean, it's possible. It's really possible. Nine nine touchdowns away. There's what Cam has 10 games. Cam has four, four, 12 games, right? 11. No, 12. Holy shit. He has 12 games left. Yeah. I think Mike has. 11 games left thing is Mike can also score from anywhere on the field cam cam could as well but it's much more unlikely than yeah uh, that's true that is true Mike has more opportunities too that's for sure Um, we'll see that's going to be very interesting uh, to see how it plays out throughout this year but with that being said we'll go over to we don't really talk by tight end that much I guess we talked about Jared Cook and TJ Hawkinson before but this tight end I'm actually really really excited about especially with uh, he, he's injured right now, so his owner definitely is forgetting about him. Um, you can try to get him for cheap. I think he's a top six tight end for the rest of the year, given the injuries that they have on this roster. And the way that he's been playing, he looks like a superstar. And that is Noah Fant right now with Pat Shermer as offensive coordinator. Uh, despite only playing 50% of snaps against the Jets, where he had, uh, I believe, six targets, five catches, and 35 yards, and he broke like two tackles in that game, he looked really good. Um, he's on pace through three and a half games pretty much. Uh, for 107 targets, 76 catches, 876 yards, and eight touchdowns. And that I think that number and that efficiency will only go up. I think once the pieces start coming back to this offense, the Broncos offense isn't going to be great by any means, but Noah Fant could very well be the number one receiving option. I think he's incredibly hard to tackle. He's super explosive with the ball in his hands. And Pat Shermer just knows how to use tight ends. And he's using Noah Fant might be the best tight end Pat Shermer's had based on the way he looks. And that's Kyle Rudolph has been really good before. Evan Ingram looked like a top five talent. And now with Jason Garrett, he looks like absolute garbage because he's giving him the Jason Witten curl route uh, playbook. But <laughs> no fan looks good. I'm, I'm really, really impressed by the way he's looked on the field. And given the lack of big bodied red zone threat guys in this offense, I think Noah Fant has a chance to one break 10 touchdowns and two Maybe he doesn't go over 1,000 yards, but it's a realistic possibility right now. So a tight end that could potentially go for 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns, probably over 70 catches, 
I'm buying. I don't care really what you have to give up at this point. I'm I'm buying no fan. Yeah, bringing up Evan Ingram may, uh, leads me to believe that we should talk about him in a in a in a cell. But like, I'll I'll, I'll continue with the Noah fan conversation right now. I really love his talent, and he, yeah, like you said, he he's uh he's dealing with an injury right now. I think that he will have missed the past two weeks now. By the time that he he gets to the New England game, I think that he's questionable to play for this upcoming game. I just love the skill set that he has overall. He has the opportunity to be the number one target in this offense, which he has been since he's been healthy or when he's been healthy. He is just a fucking monster when you're talking about run after catch. And like, there's very few tight ends that can do what he does um, with the ball in his hands in open field. So I love the skill set that Noah Fant has. His offense is going to continue to get better. He's not going to be thrown to by um, Brett Rippon and Jeff Driscoll. Yeah, they always slip my mind. Uh, it's Drew Locke should be coming back for this game uh-huh. this week, and like oh, there, there's just so much opportunity for Noah Fant overall for the as the season continues. I think that he could definitely be this year's Mark Andrews. And if you have him in dynasty, that's hype. If you pick them up in your waiver wire after week one, or if you drafted them late in your in your draft in a redraft, like you, congrats, you got yourself like a solidified tight end one because he's a guy that is going to, he is a focal point in his offense and he's going to continue to get volume because shit, like who do they have to throw to? It's Jerry Judy. Um, Tim Patrick. Uh, Tim Patrick. But it's not like you're, it's not like you're looking at Tim Patrick over Noah Fant because yeah. Uh, I mean, it's really Noah Fant and uh, Jerry Judy. And you mentioned Pat Shermer. We saw that Pat Shermer was doing wonders with Evan Ingram whenever he was on the field the past couple of seasons. 132 targets to Kyle Rudolph in 20, 2016, 2015. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, 32. Imagine if Noah Fant got 132 targets. He'd be like right there with George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. Yeah. So, Honestly, you know- the fact that Kyle Rudolph wasn't the tight end one with 132 targets, I think that kind of speaks to how garbage he might be. Yeah, and how much of an overpay four years, $36 million is. (laughs) Yeah, tight end uh, contracts or something else. Like uh, Tyler Higbee, who has fallen off the face of the earth. Uh, He's been nowhere to be found. Uh, uh, Gerald Everett won for like 80 yards this week. But yeah, no fan. I'm I'm buying. He's He looks like he's checking all the boxes for like next up and coming tight end star. I, I think TJ Hawkinson in terms of talent is right there with him. Uh, they played together in college, and I think they're right neck and neck with each other. But right now, Noah Fant gets a nod from me over TJ Hawkinson just because he looks so explosive with the ball in his hands. And when you can do that as a tight end, it just changes. Like, he's one of those few tight ends that is actually a game-changing talent, in my opinion, and he's going to be targeted as such, especially with Pat Shermer. It's it's really a perfect storm. Noah Fant, honestly, might be the buy of the week, in my opinion, even if he doesn't play against the Patriots because the Patriots shut down tight ends anyways. I'm, I'm buying, and if he does play, I will be very impressed if he goes over 50 yards, which is completely possible. But he's the type of player that just gives any defense problems. He breaks his first tackle almost every time. So that's obviously really good. Uh, the last per players I want to talk about before we get into a certain group is Higgins and Boyd. And that's this is pretty much volume-based. A.J. Green looks washed. He doesn't want to be there. Joe Burrow uh, struggles playing with A.J. Green, really. They just haven't been able to connect. And I wouldn't be surprised if he gets traded. So T Higgins, if he's on your waiver wire, go ahead and pick him up. He might be my number one waiver wire pickup this week. He's not being talked about enough, but his air yards that he gets are insane. He's getting highly valuable targets, red zone targets, everything you want. And he's a rookie receiver. He's coming off of a tough matchup against the Ravens. Go ahead and buy. He's on pace for 120 targets. Tyler Boyd is on pace for 130 targets. Tyler Boyd is also on pace for over 100 catches, over 1,000 yards. And his only problem right now is touchdowns, but you're pretty much looking at the East Coast Robert Woods. That is what Tyler Boyd is going to be for Joe Burrow. And maybe he's undervalued right now, but his target share and his volume is just so consistent. He's got to be one of the safest. I'll consider him a wide receiver too. One of the safest wide receiver twos that you can start on a week-to-week basis. And it's not to say that his uh, ceiling is low by any means, because if you're getting almost nine to 10 targets per game, uh, 
in a good matchup, like you're going to produce, you have the ability to, and he's a guy that can break tackles and break a big play and go for a lot of yards. He's not like a Zach Ertz catch and fall kind of guy. He can put in work with the ball in his hands. So Tyler Boyd, T Higgins, they're just both clear buys for me, given the state of the offense, the fact that they need to throw, they have a good quarterback and they just fit. They both have a connection with Joe Burrow. Uh, I'm pretty sure Tyler Boyd's at like 80% uh, catch rate. Like Pretty something in, like that. Michael Thomas type numbers. So yeah, maybe not Michael Thomas in terms of production, but the efficiency is there for Tyler Boyd right now. And I'm, I'm buying both. I think this Bengals passing attack, at least between these two are players that you do want to have on your roster for the rest of the season. Yeah. I love this take. And it says a lot about uh, AJ green and what he's really done this season, which is absolutely nothing. Even though <laughs> he has been getting the, the targets that you would want from, your what would you spend on him like a seventh round pick eighth round pick we didn't we didn't tell you to do that though but um yeah i think i think that we both have a feeling that aj green is on his way out i think that there was a video of him literally saying trade me on the sideline to one of his coaches (laughs) but yeah i think that if he is to be traded or if he just fades out the offense i think that this bodes well for both t higgins and tower boyd because for Boyd, those eight to 10 targets turn into 10 to 12 targets. And then T Higgins, like he is just, he himself is just like, like creating a role for himself into this offense by how well he is playing. So he's going to continue to ball out. I am so impressed by all these uh, rookie wide receivers. I just wanted to say that because oh, yeah. like we thought that uh, like wide receivers would be the ones having the learning curve it is like first year in the league, because that's usually how it is especially with uh, like what's going on in the world right now. But like they they've come out, they've balled out like they they've come out giving no shits. So like they're CD lamb is another one. Jerry Judy. Oh, CD still balling out. CD like, lamb. Let's, let's give him his flowers. He is fifth. In, I mean, we talked about on the wave wire podcast, but fifth in the NFL in receiving yards. Um, he's the most consistent receiver on his team right now because Amari Cooper had that flop game. Like, and he's just starting all he's literally DeAndre Hopkins and Alvin Kamara, like put together at the receiver position. Gary. So special. He is like, we were just talking about like, we're, ta- we're going to have a dynasty conversation. We'll probably have a uh, Jay rich from destination Devi on with us to talk about risers and fallers. And like, I just can't wait to rant about how good CD lamb is. It's going to make me so happy. Tyler. I know I've been telling you about CD lamb forever. I'm like, he's the wide receiver one in this class. He's so good. He's so good. He's so good. And I would catch a lot of flack like two years ago when I would say I would take him over Jerry Judy. CeeDee Lamb is the shit. He's so oh, yeah. good. So, sorry, I just had to talk about CeeDee Lamb. Before. <laughs> it was a, like a prologue for my rant in about two days on CeeDee Lamb. But, yeah, I'm, I'm super impressed with these rookie receivers, dude. Like, once again, Chase Claypool, best rookie game I might have ever seen from – receiver because he had a touchdown called back too he really went for like 140 yeah. and five touchdowns on that, what was a relatively bad call in my opinion that like, touchdown that touchdown that was called back was also dominant too like we it was nice i don't think the world's ready for what chase claypool was about to put on yeah i know people want to say uh like megatron or whatever i actually see a lot of des bryant in him i see a lot of des bryant Someone that like you you put him in a straight line and he's just he's so strong and fast. Um, I don't want to say Calvin Johnson yet. Maybe like I don't know. There's so many good big receivers. Like DK Metcalf is another one. He looks like an angry Terrell Owens. Like it's just some of these players are just insane. There's a changing of the guard going on at the receiver position. Um, I think you're seeing all these young guys come in and it's going to keep happening next year. There's some really, really good receivers coming in too, but it's going to keep happening at the receiver position. Like these young guys are going to take over the league sooner rather than later. And I can't wait. AJ Brown's going to do it tonight. Uh, This is obviously going to air on Wednesday. So people won't see it, but I'm expecting AJ Brown to let people know who AJ Brown is today. If he doesn't go for at least 80 yards and a touchdown, I will be thoroughly disappointed. But with that said, Hey, Trey white though, he's out. Oh, really? That's why I expect AJ Brown to go crazy. Josh Norman, though. Oh, yeah. I'm so scared of Josh Norman. <laughs> I bet he's probably going to strip AJ Brown, though. He'll force a fumble. That's what Josh yeah. Norman's really good for nowadays. But, anyways, the last buy of the week. Um, this may not be our exact buy of the week, and it's a large group of players, but the top six running backs from the 2020 drafts class, which means Clyde Edwards Hilaire, DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, uh, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, and Antonio Gibson. All six of them 
I would be sending out offers for right now. Um, Jonathan Taylor looks, his vision hasn't been great, but it looks like he's slowly starting to figure things out a little bit. Obviously teams are stacking the box and it's not that easy, but he has Cincinnati and then Detroit over his next two games. That is a recipe for success. He's seen relatively good fronts so far. Cincinnati's defense isn't awful, but it definitely is an opportunity for them to expose the defense. And Jonathan Taylor could do it. Clyde Artis-Alaire, he plays for the Chiefs. He scored a touchdown last week. Uh, Travis Kelsey just did not want him to score that touchdown. Although Travis Kelsey's offensive pass interference did get Clyde Artis-Alaire open, um, those red zone touches are going to start to come for Clyde Artis-Alaire. He gets too many touches to not be involved in that area, and it's not like they're going to Darrell Williams either. He's still on the field. It's just they're they're giving like jet sweeps and like uh, Anthony Sherman is getting a touchdown and the defensive or the left tackle scored a touchdown. Like it's a bunch of fluky shit that's not going to keep going on. Clyde Artis-Alaire is another buy. Um, now for those are pretty clear for me. Uh, the guys that are or Antonio Gibson's another one. I think he's going to be a league winner this year. Uh, there's a lot of uh, fantasy champs actually said something about it. There's a lot of Miles Sanders in terms of the way he's being used, the carries, the receiving, the big playability, the home run threat. It's there for Antonio Gibson. But the three that are really going to confuse people because one, we've been out on Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins. We're like, this is a shit show. And DeAndre Swift, we just can't trust the Detroit co- coaching. I think it's all going to start to kind of make sense in these next few weeks. Uh, J.K. Dobbins at some point is going to have a bye week, but he's clearly the best running back in that backfield. He's having 7.9 yards of carry, and he's being trusted in the receiving game, which he was a better runner than a receiver coming out of college. So the rec- the rushing work is going to be there, 7.9 yards of carry and receiving work. It is going to come. They're going to get him more involved. I would be sending out offers for J.K. Dobbins. Cam Akers, now he's a little weird because I'm not too sure – what exactly his role is going to be, but they keep forcing him onto the field. And he had some carries at the end of last game where it looked like he started to figure things out a little bit. And not to say that he's going to take the the role completely from Daryl Henderson. I still am sticking with my Daryl Henderson lead back take. I still believe that will happen, but Cam Akers in a rush heavy offense, I think he could completely make uh, Malcolm Brown go away. I think it could be a two man show in which case both of these guys are flex options on a weekly basis and Cam Akers definitely will increase his value. And then DeAndre Swift, um, this is coming off of a bye week. This coaching staff is now coaching for their lives. You have to assume that DeAndre Swift, who has looked like the, I don't know, at least equal to Adrian Peterson, but he's definitely the best receiving back. Him and TJ Hawkinson just have to be used more in this offense. If not, they're just wasting premier talent, and the next coaching staff will benefit from it. But I, I have to assume that these guys are so cheap, especially Dobbins, Akers, and Swift, because they've done nothing so far. Like they might be on your waiver wire at some point, pick them up, stash them, hold them on your bench is worth it. I'm telling you, it is going to happen for these guys at some point. And yes, uh, JT, CEH and Gibson are much easier to trade for right now because of how their usage has been. And we've seen them a lot, but Dobbins, Akers and Swift, their time is coming Um, for Dobbins. I think it could be a huge boom. I think it could be ginormous where he just changes the Ravens offense and he's that missing link to get them back to being a contender because they don't have it right now. Mark Ingram does not have it anymore. He looks washed. Gus Edwards is just a solid back. J.K. Dobbins is a game changer. So of those three, the most confident I'm in is J.K. Dobbins. I think at some point they're going to change what they do for the Ravens, and they're going to get J.K. Dobbins involved. He's a first-round talent. Uh, They said it themselves. It was irresponsible not to draft him. I think it's coming. So – The moral of the story is rookie running backs have pretty much struggled thus far. No one's had like a crazy, crazy game. The best rookie running back game came from Antonio Gibson against the Ravens, but I'm buying all of them. I'm buying at least these top six rookie running backs. No question. I literally just picked up J.K. Dobbins, I think Sunday morning from one of my leagues because he was literally just like sitting in free agency. I picked his ass up so quick because I think I – um, somebody was inactive in one of my leagues and I just like moved him to the IR spot, picked up JK Dobbins. I feel very confident in what JK Dobbins is about to do because like, like you said, he's just so talented. I wanted him on the Steelers, but, uh, luckily we ended up with Chase Claypool. Thank God I'm not running that organization. Um, yeah, like JK Dobbins looked very, like he, he was a part of that top four and JT, uh, Clyde Edwards, Laird, uh, DeAndre Swift, and he was the fourth in the that uh, rookie running back class and like he's still running behind this uh rant or ravens offensive line it, the only issue is that he's not getting touches we saw him get i think five touches for 55 yards uh last game 
Like he is making the, making use of his touches right now. The only problem is volume. And I think that we really see a big boom from him in the second half of the season because not only do we know that he is talented, the Ravens know damn well that he is very talented. And that's why they took him in the second round, even though they had uh, Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram on their roster. Uh, with DeAndre Swift, we've talked about it before uh, with Matthew Stafford wanting to uh, like get the ball. Like he, he has demonstrated passing or uh, passing the ball to receiving backs before. And I think DeAndre Swift is very capable of being one of those guys. Uh, we saw him score a touchdown against the, the New Orleans Saints the last time they were on the field. Um, that offense just like just stall Like they just stopped working. Uh, after they went 14, yeah. we were up 14 to nothing. But um, I still see a lot of potential in DeAndre Swift. I think that Dobbins is the biggest buy low here just because he's just – he's in such a good run-heavy run offense that um, I think that the discrepancy between what he's worth right now and what his upside is is the widest between all of these guys. So, I 100% um, agree. 100%. Yeah, so I think, I think Dobbins is the biggest buy. I think Swift is up there as well. K-Makers, I'm a bit iffy on just because I think Daryl Henderson's still playing pretty well right now, and it'll be difficult for him to take the full um, uh, running back workload. Yeah. Obviously, Gibson's been showing out all all season long. Like, I don't know how – what you can get, get – how you can get Gibson or what you can get Gibson for. Um, if you can get him as a flex – I think that's perfect because I think that he he's demonstrating a lot of talent right now. Um, this might sound hot takey. I think Antonio Gibson is going to be a top twelve running back for the rest of the year. Wow, I, 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 that's literally like the usage is going to come at some point. It's going to match his talent. Um, I have a bunch of like stats that I've bookmarked on Twitter throughout the past few days. Um, right now, Antonio Gibson for running backs, he's 29th in routes run, 29th in snap share, and 28th in target share which are all numbers that kind of make you say, like, what the fuck are they doing in Washington? I think that's going to start changing. J.D. McKissick can only involve, be involved for so long, but he is 10th in yards per outrun, 10th in yards per reception, and 15th in evaded tackles. So he's obviously being super, super efficient. And I think that only, like, helps his case for getting on the field more and being used more. And once they figure out this whatever the hell they're trying to do at quarterback situation, um, I think it really, really starts to help them. Obviously, Alex Smith came in. And that really derailed it. Honestly, the best thing for Antonio Gibson is Kyle Allen playing. He had four targets through two drives with Kyle Allen as a starting quarterback before he got hurt. And he almost scored a touchdown. So definitely want Antonio Gibson. Stats for J.K. Dobbins. Um, according to Pro Football Focus, who I guess I trust their elusive rating. I don't think they would lie about that. He's first in elusive rating he, uh, for players that have at least 10 rushes. First in elusive rating. First in yards after contact per carry. He's averaging 4.94 yards per contact or yards after contact per carry. So that's insane. And the craziest stat of all to me is that he's forced nine missed tackles on 27 touches. So literally <laughs> like that, that's just, that's insane. One out of every three touches is being a broken tackle, especially in a run heavy offense where like, you kind of know what's going to happen. He's just making people miss. That's insane to me. Um, in terms of fantasy efficiency, J.K. Dobbins' fantasy points per touch is 1.5, and Mark Ingram is 0.9, and Gus Edwards is 0.6. So he's obviously, for fantasy purposes, the most efficient player there. And DeAndre Swift is the same deal, 1.7 fantasy points per touch to Adrian Peterson's 0.6 and Carrion's 0.7. And I think that points more towards the versatility that these players have. And the guys who score touchdowns and catch passes are going to have higher fantasy points per touch. So those guys do that. Um, and just the last stat, this has nothing to do with rookie running backs, but the last stat here, uh, it rained throughout the entire Seattle-Minnesota uh, game. That's why it was 13-0. Russ was 6-for-6 six six at half, and it was just a low-volume game in the first half. In the fourth quarter, when the Vikings were leading and the Seahawks needed to score points for two different uh, stretches, DK Metcalf, in those 12 minutes of the fourth quarter, those few drives, Russell Wilson targeted him nine times nine times in one quarter so like i'm probably the most pro dk metcalf person you can talk to right now dk is just on another level with russell wilson i'm convinced this is going to go down as an all-time great duo and i think russell wilson and dk metcalf are going to win a super bowl maybe not maybe i mean maybe this year i think they make the super bowl honestly 
but I think they're going to win a Super Bowl and cement themselves as like one of the best duos we've ever seen. So I know that you're talking about DK Metcalf and I love me some DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson, but uh, I want to backtrack to your quote about Antonio Gibson being a top 12 running back through the end, through the rest of the season. Can I quote you on that? I just want to put you up on my whiteboard just to write it down. Uh, say from week six and on Antonio Gibson will be a top 12 running back week six. Uh, is this, is it, we're going into week six, right? Yeah. Yeah. From here on out, I think he's going to be a top 12 running back. I'll stand by that. It's fine with me. We can put $5 on it if you want. All right. So if we're putting $5 on this, is this half PPR, full PPR standard? We'll go with half PPR. All right. Half PPR. Yeah. Cause that's, I, I think that's just the best format to use. Uh, PPR probably benefits him, but I don't really care. Half PPR. That's what I play with. And I'm convinced. I, I think Antonio Gibson is going to be a top 12 running back. So say that with the utmost confidence i they still have to play dallas twice uh the giants twice he's gonna have some boom games it is they're, they're gonna be they're gonna be coming and scott turner's figuring it out how to get him involved we saw it against the ravens we'll see it again soon uh, I, I respect i respect your bold take it's just it's just too bold to not to to uh take advantage of but you know i i love the confidence here I, I do love Antonio Gibson moving forward, though. And, you know, I honestly hope that you take my $5. Good. I'm hoping you take my $5. I, I hope I do, too. I, I like being Economics. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, uh, the moral of the story is buy the rookie running backs. Depending on how cheap you can get them, I wouldn't overpay to get any of these guys. Um, the player I'd be most willing to overpay for is J.K. Dobbins because of the reasons that you said, the discrepancy in current value to potential value is just insane with him right now. It's been, it's been a perfect storm of being able to buy low on him, but if you can trade for him, go ahead. I would pretty much give up a solid asset to get him. I really like J.K. Dobbins. Hopefully he's available on your waiver wire and these other rookie running backs, just see, see what you can get for him. I, I'm, I'm really believing in the talent for all these guys and I think the learning curve is going to start uh, flattening out a little bit and they're going to start thinking less i think a lot of these guys are thinking when they're on the field and they're just going to start reacting and that's where these guys become special so buy rookie running backs if you can or at least the top six with that said i'm looking up on my board i think the perfect trade right now trade of the week like manny sanders for jk dobbins straight up i mean if it's if my thing is people who drafted jk dobbins they kind of knew this shit was going to happen like we said with deandre swift too like we knew this was going to happen a little bit players that you should hold on to but some people are restless i 100 yeah. agree you could probably i just picked him up in in a like waiver wire like or uh not even waiver wire like he was just sitting in free agency so yeah, I, don't, that's, I don't know that's crazy but we'll see we'll see i am definitely going to be sending out offers for jk dobbins i'm not really sure what exactly it's going to take to get him but i'm comfortable giving up a pretty decent amount for him so with that said uh the number one buyer this week i guess would be noah fant or jk dobbins but Pretty much all rookie running back can be added onto that list. We're going to just quote it as a top six. Go ahead and get them. Win your leagues by making those moves. Even if you're 0-5 right now, <laughs> go ahead and try to get them. The upside is still there, and they can help you dominate for multiple weeks. That wraps up our week six buy sell podcast. If you want us to answer your questions, make sure to ask us on social media. Our social media accounts are linked into the description of this podcast. We do have our good friend Jordan Richards from Destination Devi making a return to our podcast on Thursday. So stay tuned for that episode. Uh, Just a heads up, it will be a Dynasty-based episode. So if you do listen to our podcast and you play Dynasty fantasy football, this is one that you will not want to miss. And once again, thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe button.